Welcome to Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And now for your weekly recap, a timely review of this week's top headlines and takeaways. Here's your host. Welcome to Inside Towers Week in Review. I'm Leslie Stimson, Inside Towers Washington Bureau Chief. With me are John Salentano, our business editor, Sharp Smith, our technology editor, and Jim Fryer, our managing editor. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless infrastructure ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. The 2023 Volume 1 issue will be available shortly. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. For more information or to subscribe, visit InsideTowers.com slash intelligence. Sharp Smith is going to start us off this week. Sharp, I think you're going to talk about Vodafone. Is that right? Well, yes, um, Leslie, it's a, it's a, it's a Vodafone story, but really it's, it's, a, it's, it's the, uh, it's almost daily drumbeat of uh, open RAN um, advancing in, uh, in the wireless world. Uh, uh, this story starts off with, uh, with Vodafone uh, having success with uh, their open RAN network in the United Kingdom. And um, they're working with uh, Samsung to uh, deploy the uh, uh, the Open RAN over in uh, over in Germany and Spain. And uh, so you've got uh, you've got really uh, you know a lot of a lot of moving parts, but they all seem to be moving toward Open RAN. And I was interested this week to uh to steal some of john's thunder although he seems to have like enough thunder this week uh having uh what five stories in the uh, week in review so uh i figured it's okay if i steal one of his stories um he wrote about orange and vodafone who are sharing an open ran network in rural europe and um <clears throat> When you think about this, it makes sense on so many levels. First of all, if you're going to deploy, uh, if because we're we're deploying wireless networks in rural areas where the return on investment is a lot lower, using Open RAN makes so much sense uh, in that case. So you've got uh, you've got uh, uh, Vodafone, you know, moving into Europe, but the, on the other hand, you know, the Europeans are not shy about sharing networks. So you talk about saving money on open RAN and then you share the network and, and your costs are even lower. So I, I just can't imagine that those two trends are not going to, uh, to move forward in uh, in the world where we want to get coverage to every person, broadband coverage, and uh, but we have to uh, we have to exist in a capitalist society where we have to make money. So how do you do that? 
use an open RAN network, make it even less expensive, share the network. So uh, I just can't imagine this story isn't going to continue to have legs in the future. Thank you so much, Sharp. Uh, I think, John, you're up next talking about uh, fixed wireless access. Uh, yes, Leslie, um, <clears throat> there seems to be a brewing debate as to the viability and utility of fixed wireless access, particularly among the mobile network operators. Um, and AT&T and Verizon seem to have completely differing views on whether this is a good idea or not. Uh, here, here's here's what's going on. <clears throat> Verizon <clears throat> and, and actually T-Mobile, uh, and we've covered this, have um, been uh, you know, fairly successful in launching a fixed wireless access service on top, that's part of their mobile networks. As they deploy mid-band spectrum, uh, Verizon with C-band and, and, and uh, T-Mobile with 2.5 gigahertz, they, they're not fully utilizing those, uh, those uh, frequencies for uh, 5G mobile services. So <clears throat> what they're doing is offering a portion of that spectrum on a fixed basis to subscribers who would like to have a, a high-speed internet connection over the air versus historically getting it from a cable company or, or even the phone company. And um, so, and, and both Verizon and T-Mobile have been, you know, somewhat successful in 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 achieving uh, some kind of take rates of this service. Uh, Verizon uh, at the end of the year reported about 1.4 million uh, fixed wireless subscribers, and T-Mobile actually came in at 2.6 million. And both of them are projecting several multiples of of those numbers. Uh, to increase over the next couple of years. Um, on the other hand, AT&T has taken a position that they don't think fixed wireless, uh, particularly on their mobile network, is a particularly good idea, uh, and they're not putting any kind of or not putting significant resources behind that idea to make it happen. They did acknowledge they are using fixed wireless access in a very strategic manner, more as a as a stopgap to serve customers that they will not be able to get to for a couple of years with fiber. And, you know, there were some pretty pointed remarks that, uh, that were made uh, in recent investor conferences. The um, CFO of um, AT&T uh, said, uh, uh, candidly, we'd much rather take our resources, focus on deploying more fiber. I think our spectrum long-term provides us great opportunity. Let's not get distracted by chasing empty calories in the near term. So they're not valuing fixed wireless uh, revenues or, or, or connections with customers to deliver fixed wireless very highly. Well, you know, Verizon, which has made a, a pretty big commitment to that, especially with leveraging their C-band deployments that they've had underway for the last two years, uh, uh, took umbrage with that remark. And, um, you know, uh, their CF, C, CFO in, uh, in a recent conference said that, um, it, you know, we feel we have a very good runway with fixed wireless on 5G and the amount of spectrum we have, and that we'll have in place at the end of the year. They think it's a significant opportunity and we'll have great service for fixed wireless customers 
and mobility customers at the same time. So, you know, it's just this bit of this back and forth. And, um, you know, our take, my take is that, you know, I think their arguments are valid for their respective operations. And I don't see it as an either or proposition, but I think we're going to leave it up to our readers uh, to kind of draw their own conclusions. But uh, it's uh, it's an interesting debate. And uh, but you have to ask, you know, where's the beef? <laughs> so um, uh, we'll watch it. You know, we'll, we'll continue to follow it. But it's, a, it's sort of an interesting dust up that's occurred and uh, uh, with the, the, the two all the big players kind of uh, taking sides on the issue. So, wow. I mean, Nate, WIA, CCA, NTCA, the Rural Wireless Association, others have repeatedly pleaded with NTIA to change their notice of funding opportunity for the bead money, the infrastructure deployment money, to not be so fiber heavy and to be technology neutral. Wow. I, and I might add that the, the, the way that the, the, the big guys are offering fixed wireless from their mobile networks is, um, is different than the way uh, uh, the uh, wireless Internet service providers offer, which is more facilities based where they install a dedicated base station. They have customer premise equipment at businesses or homes. Um, this, so there's a different flavor of fixed wireless access that the, the mobile um operators are providing versus what the uh, the WISPs normally provide. And, uh, you know, that in and of itself is um, uh, is a distinction that we want to make here that, uh, um, and both the big carriers have said, look, our fixed wireless access business will plateau at some point. You know, uh, T-Mobile says about, they'll reach about seven or eight million subscribers and kind of level off. And, and uh, Verizon is looking at about four to five million subscribers over the next couple of years. So, um, you know, not all flavors of fixed wireless access are the same. And, um, but it's interesting, the approaches that these, these big carriers are taking on, on how to deploy. All right. Thank you, John. So Gigi Sohn withdrew her nomination for the open seat on the FCC. Uh, and, you know, she formally asked the White House to do that. She said she had been the subject of relentless re- attacks, and she has over the past 16 months. She had, she had an unprecedented three times of nomination hearings in the Senate. But what seemed to um, uh, what seemed to tip the scales was Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, said he wasn't going to uh, vote for her because you know she seemed too partisan. And she needed every Democratic vote. Diane Feinstein was off this week and John Fetterman is away. So the numbers started going the other way. And, and the Republicans who were vehemently against her won. And the Republicans are doing this to several of Biden's nominees. And it's kind of tit for tat because the Democrats did the same thing when they controlled you know, the Senate. So it's, yeah. And so now the question is, who will the White House nominate? Anna Gomez, the National Hispanic Coalition, would like to see a Hispanic person in that seat. Um, she uh, she headed the NTIA for a while, and she, um, she has experience on Capitol Hill in the White House. She was also a partner at Wiley-Rhein, um, 
So that is a possibility. Her name surfaced before we reported, um, before Sone was tapped. And then another person whose name has been floated is Edward Smitty Smith. He's a, a partner at the law firm DLA Piper. He too has um, experience overseeing broadband subsidies at NTIA. So we'll have to see who the White House names. They haven't named anybody yet, but um, you know, when they name someone, it's going to be a whole long process. So they're, they're, the FCC is going to be deadlocked, two Republicans, two Democrats for quite a while, um, and, which is, I've never seen it. And I've been covering FCC since Reed Hunt was chair. So it's, it's incredible. Another big story is the Senate did not pass the FCC's auction authority this week, which is a big deal. You know, the FCC spectrum auctions have raised over $200 billion, so it's a good deal for the Treasury. And um, so now the Senate, you know, the House passed it. it. It was a short continuing resolution. I mean, it would have extended the authority through May 19th, but still, it it it, it was something. Um, and now that it's lapsed, both uh, the the House and Senate Commerce Committee leaders are calling that unprecedented. Uh, ranking member of the House side, and uh, Frank Pallone, who used to chair the committee, Democrat from New Jersey, um, he said the lapse was unprecedented, uh, and he hopes that both sides can work together to figure out something. And, you know, he, the House passed the bill and, and he said, you know, the House did its job, but they're still going to work with the Senate to try and get something passed. The actual chair of the House Energy and Commerce Committee now, Kathy McMorris Rogers, a Republican from Washington State, she called um, the lapse for the first time ever unacceptable. Um, and she said, for reasons unknown to me, certain senators decided to risk U.S. wireless leadership over a date change. And that is unacceptable. We must come together. So we'll see what happens on that. And Jim, I think you're going to talk about um, cell tower sab sabotage. Yes, I have the... I had the crime beat this week, Leslie, uh, Inside Towers CSI reporting. Um, as we've been seeing more and more uh, in the past few years, uh, acts of what have been termed sabotage against cell towers. Um, you know, not just, there's not just people pulling down guy wires to, steal the copper this this is actually bringing down towers for other purposes not all of them truly defined yet but um that was the case in nebraska recently where a uh, power was what was toppled um for no apparent reason other than um what what the Furness County Sheriff's Office is calling sabotage. Um, guy wires were cut on the tower. The tower came down. The cost of the damage was around $575,000. Um, you know, collateral damage is it, it supported equipment from the Sheriff's Office, the fire department, local schools, 
So a lot of people were out of pocket for a while, out of communication, and that could have been disaster. I, apparently, there was nothing. Fortunately, nothing reported there that that um, that there was a lack of of first responder co connectivity, and um, the uh, uh, the carrier, I believe, in this one was was uh, AT and T. They oh no, Verizon. I'm sorry. Was Verizon? They they quickly got a temporary tower up in its place, but the uh, both the uh, Nebraska State Patrol and the FBI were called in to investigate it. And um, this is the sheriff's office said that the FBI is the one considering opening an investigation into the matter as an act of quote domestic terrorism. And uh, the bureau, uh, the FBI. Decline further comment on that, uh, as as they would, but um, that's that's what they're looking into it as the as the cause. The the sheriff's uh, department said they're also looking at data that may have been captured uh, by the transmissions to the tower just prior to its destruction, uh, hoping that they might get some clues to the identity of a suspect. So, and a story related uh obviously not probably by connection but but certainly in this the same genre same same church different pew i guess would be another way to say it um a man in texas in san antonio texas was uh arrested and charged he was arrested actually in may uh but he's finally been charged with arson in uh setting fire to several towers uh five five towers specifically uh in the uh San Antonio area in the west side of San Antonio um his name given by the police was a Sean Aaron Smith 29 years old he was indicted by a federal grand jury last week in conjunction with the incidents uh prosecutors in the case said that Smith was uh arrested and that this is their their description holds quote anti-government views so um smith was arrested for setting the fire at one specific tower although he was indicted on five four others um and according to court records a female companion served as a lookout while he set that blaze so um, i wouldn't recommend that as a fun date night for anybody but uh that's that's what happened. Fortunately, the, the person's in custody and being charged accordingly. But um, it's it's becoming more and more of a uh, of an issue out there that uh, we're not just subject to bad weather for bringing a tower down. That um, there could be some bad actors out there. So um, stay on stay on guard for all that, folks. All right, Jim. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Inside Towers Week in Review. For a complete rundown of all the week's stories, check out our Saturday edition. We will see you in a week. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.